Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. All right. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by a special guest who is on a critical mission to build effective remote marketing teams that are empowered, motivated, engaged, and who strive to deliver better results amidst a complex digital landscape. So coming to us from Vancouver, Canada, Brianna Fisher, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Christian. I'm so stoked to be here. Yeah, no, it's it's great to, as always, to be connected and have a conversation with you. So let's just take it one notch up this time, eh? <laughs> sure. All right. So off we go. You know, Brianna, you're currently the marketing director at a company called Moolah Inc. And that's a money saving app, among other things. And in this role, you are managing a team for both um, the B2B and B2C brands in the product portfolio across all levels of marketing strategy, operations, and the customer lifecycle. But for the sake of today's discussion and in the interest of time, let's uh, zero in on a specific topic um, that you've been spending clearly a lot of time and energy on, and that's managing and building marketing teams that perform and deliver good results. Isn't that nice? <laughs> so talk to us about the importance of building a strong and motivated team that is remote and mostly working online. And that is by no means a small feat. No, no, it sure isn't. And I think that really um, teams around the world, obviously through the, you know, the, the pandemic and whatnot have had um, varying degrees of success ultimately in, in creating or pivoting perhaps an, an in-person, you know, in-house team into a dispersed workforce ultimately that could be located from anywhere. So the, the importance of building resilience and motivation in, in online teams is really paramount because you can spend like you can spend your lifetime thinking about the best strategies or the best tactics to uh, to build audiences and to to move you like to tell your brand story. But ultimately you need people to make it happen. And you need those people to be on the same page and you need them to be motivated to do a great job. And so that is why I'm most passionate about the management of marketing teams more, more than necessarily the, the, the processes and the policies and the, the, the um, strategies for making things happen because uh, it's, um, you know, without people, you can't get good things to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you, you know, um, so here's an interesting thought for you, Brianna, like um, as the world has probably in the past year or so, a vast the majority of companies have shifted online. And, you know, you keep hearing these, these buzzwords, digitization and remote teams and whatnot. Let's, uh, let's say by, you know, by fate, and hopefully through um, our, our own perseverance, uh, we finally get past this pandemic, and it subsides. Do you think that companies are, you know, like yours, do you think you're going to revert back to normal and, and everyone's going to go back to an office? Or do you believe that remote, uh, working remotely and online rather is here to stay? I think it's certainly here to stay. I wouldn't say that it's um, probably um, the method for a lot of companies because ultimately managing a, an, an online or remote workforce is fundamentally different 
to managing an in-person um, team. You know, it does require that, you know, a, a number of things like that you're able to trust you, your employees and colleagues to do what they say they're going to do and be accountable to those, those things as well as it's, you know, like being able to... Uh, ensure the sort of day-to-day -day running and the evolution of culture in your team and in, in your company as well. All of these things are impacted in some way, shape or form by um, having a remote team and not spending that face time together, which is that sort of natural kind of human connection moments, you know. Uh, but that said, though, there's so many ways of um, engineering uh, for, for want of a better term, engineering these sort of human connections and moments with online teams. But yeah, I, I think, you know, like for us, we won't probably be going back into the office on a full-time basis. Our working model will probably be some sort of hybrid approach or um, uh, depending on what works best and what, you know, how we can maximise everybody's productivity, which is like the key ultimately um, and why we're here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you touched on something which is um, uh, in, in the past couple of minutes, which is a great segue into the next question, because, you know, clearly managing remote teams and managing um, the team in person, you know, there are there are differences to that. And, uh, you, you know, um, working remotely and working online is also fraught with challenges. Um, so talk to us about some of these challenges that you faced in managing a remote marketing team and uh, how you've overcome them. Yeah, you know, it's well, it's a it's a learning process, right? Like, uh, I've been managing remote teams for a long time before COVID, so I've been, you know, lucky to, in some senses, already had some degree of understanding of of what people do and what works best. But in terms of challenges, I think ultimately the biggest challenge is for myself, as it has been for everybody else. You know, has been finding a work life balance has been one big challenge, and that's something that really gets impacted by remote work is because now we're working from home, like provided you're working from home when you work um, out of the office. Um, but that then uh, the impact of that is that people uh, then have this blurring, right, between your personal life and your work life. And, and that in turn means your personal self, like who you are outside of work and who you are at work. It all like um, you know, coalesces together. And, and that can be a really interesting challenge, not only for, um, you know, how it impacts your work, and but also how it impacts yourself. And for me, you know, like being a manager of teams um, and, and someone who's really interested in, in their performance, you can't ignore that, that people are people and that people live people lives and they do what things people do. And, you know, like when you're working from home, say, you know, like you have to... Um, uh, use different tactics and practices and different ways of thinking and working and managing that accommodate and, uh, and build empathy and understanding for people and meet them where they are. That was a great answer. And, uh, you know, clearly you've seen some of this before. It's no easy feat. Uh, it was going back to something I said earlier um, about keeping employees engaged and motivated. Um, despite not being able to see each other in person, right? So there's that communication aspect of it, like you said, checking on each other regularly and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. You have to um, engineer those moments too because it's not only like this 
I'm going to say the standard like team meetings and all of those sort of things where you you see each other and sometimes people might have their cameras on or sometimes they might have them off or you might have a policy where you require people in your workplace to have um, their cameras on while they're in meetings or, you know, like all of these sort of things. And it, it certainly does like um, it takes time, understanding and commitment ultimately to to um, accept and embrace and help people work through so that they can bring their best selves to work and ultimately, you know, like not feel like there's a stress and burden um, uh, in, in where, where it can be avoided. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think this is something that we uh, discussed at the last uh, round table about the great resignation. And that's something we're gonna get back to in a minute. Um, but before we do, um, Let's focus on the topic of, well, let's just put it this way. You can't really talk about remote marketing teams without bringing up technology, right? <laughs> they kind of go yeah, hand yeah. in hand. So, um, you know, for the for the benefit of the audience, let's go and open up Brianna's toolbox, right? And can you talk to us about some of your go-to tech tools, um, you know, for managing your team and for implementing and managing uh, all these respective marketing activities that you're responsible for? Yeah, for sure. So in terms of uh, my tech tool toolbox, um, because I, I am a fan of using not only technology, but also sort of analog, like the standards sort of like pen and paper and just getting in their post-it notes and, and all of those sort of things. So, but ultimately like Asana, like project management and, and keeping communication lines open. I have a, a team that is dispersed, not only um, uh, in location, but also in time zones. So um, not only within Canada, but also internationally. So um, that, you know, like Asana and making sure that we're managing projects and keeping on top of what's happening and where we're at with things, as well as who's doing what is, um, is important, not only for communication, but also to make meetings more efficient. Um, because I am not a fan of information sharing meetings, so <laughs> I like to uh, to uh, be able to uh, have my team just update me in Asana, go in, check it out, see where we're at, and then um, ask questions and explore problems and so on in our meetings rather than just do the standard like, hey, give me an update type thing on where you're at with this. Um, the other ones are, you know, the standard you know, Microsoft Teams, those sort of, you know, Zoom slash anything and Google Meet, like everything and everything else. And um, and then, the, the yeah, the last one, the last one, I, I've tried a whole heap of meeting efficiency tools and one of them was Fellow, which I have really enjoyed. Um, more so because it, uh, it uh, integrates with my calendar so that your to-do list can kind of shop, you know, uh, scooch on in there. <laughs> Um, keep everything up to date, but uh, yeah, that's about that. Those are sort of my my three kind of go tos, um, which isn't. It's not very fun. It's not a very sexy toolbox. <laughs> it's just like a mundane one. No, I mean, look, it, it, you you know, the objective of the exercise here is not to have an exhaustive laundry list of technology, right? And uh, you know, I've I've interviewed a couple of guests who are tech experts, and they all say the same thing. It's not about the technology really per se. I mean, that certainly helps but mm -hmm. it's also about the systems and processes you have in place right because otherwise if you don't have that you you can um as as they like to call it you can add stuff to the pile <laughs> and it's still not going to help you become better in fact it will add to the burden 
right? Absolutely, absolutely. And there's yeah. a ton of people that do get caught in that trap, you know, like oh, yes. ultimately building out a tech stack, whether it's for marketing operations or whether it's for team management or anything else, you mm-hmm. can end up having like you basically like you're stacking laundry on top of each other in some senses to use that sort of mummy, like sort of go-to term. Like we're just like creating a laundry chair type situation. And unless it's folded and neat and works well together and, you know, like you can put it where it goes, then uh, you'll, you know, you're otherwise just going to have a mess. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. You touched on a few of these already in the past couple of minutes, but I'd like to, um, I'd say, jam on it a bit further, if you will. Uh, so it's um, it was an article, and there were many out there, um, but there's an article that was published by HubSpot, and it provides uh, several recommendations for building a remote marketing team. So just, again, in the interest of time, um, I uh, let's just talk about five uh, key points, right? Hmm. And um, so the first one is creating an effective remote hiring and onboarding process. I think that one is probably paramount, right? Yeah. Um, and to your point, scheduling and running effective, I think the keyword in that sentence is effective, virtual team meetings. So it's not like what, you, you know, um, the format that you um, mentioned before about like, okay, give me an update. That kind of reminds me of the old days in the agency where everybody comes with their brief and submits it to traffic and so forth, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the third one, which you also touched on, uh, which is extremely important, not necessarily just from a professional perspective, but also from a uh, more personal one, but checking in with it. Uh, your team members on a regular basis, right? Yeah. So don't wait until that monthly, uh, you know, team meeting or that or that weekly team meeting. You know, you check in on them when you can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, em- embracing and implementing digital productivity tools, but you know, in this case, it's not like you know, get as many tools in there as you can. Um, get the get the ones that work for you, um, and that will that will help alleviate some of the you know some of the workload, right? And um, the other point that you also mentioned, being mindful of uh, time zones, uh, remote employee boundaries, and to a certain extent, especially if you're dealing with uh, team members in different geographies, there could be some cultural and linguistic differences as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. so thoughts on the above, anything that you'd like to add? Well, I agree. Like I have to say, I can't not agree with um, effective being the uh, key word for running meetings. Like um, I think um, also that, you know, I agree with the power of checking in on people. I think that the fascinating impact of technology is that we can become removed from one another as humans, even though you right now are literally sitting in my lounge room. <laughs> it's it's interesting that, um, that we have this sort of disconnection right now that's going on at between each other you know like between us all as professionals and and that transcends and impacts us all in different ways you know we I've got staff members who have been uh you know uh, managing children at home while at the same time of as working they've been you know they've also had their partners beside them also working on totally different things you know there's it's really it would be an understatement to say that we don't we haven't been experiencing this sort of really dynamic time 
Are, 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 you, are, you, are you talking about what's going on in my house? Or are you <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You know, it's a, it's a thing. Like I, uh, I am that person. Like I, I think that has some, been a, pl- a blessing and a curse, right? There's mm-hmm. been people who we've seen that, starting with that wonderful clip of the BBC reporter who's live and his kids come into the room, you know, and they're like, oh, hi you know yeah. um daddy i need something you know we've all been there you know yeah. we've all done that now and well and the uh, travago ceo right yes. did you see that yeah. one <laughs> yeah yeah this, and and it's just so it in some in some ways it's such a marvelous thing like i think it's ultimately such a marvelous thing especially as a working mom to have that sort of um that element of uh, of acceptance i want to say in a different way like i'm lucky that i work for an organization that is pretty open, like is is open and and welcoming of families. And I've never felt like um, I needed to feel weird or awkward or, you know, apologize for my children who often do come home in the middle of a meeting from school and, you know, like all that sort of stuff. Like, and uh, so there's all of that sort of stuff, which is, I think, really, again, what I would add to that HubSpot article is is being prepared to meet people where they are. It's not only a checking in thing, which is great, um, but I like I like to check in on, with my team members on like one-on-ones every week, um, not only to ask them how they're doing, but what was their highlight and their lowlight of the work week? You know, what what's the project that our team is working on that they might like to be more involved in? Um, or what's one that they'd like to do less of, you know, um, uh, are they finding their work day is, um, is making their heart sing or is there something that we can do to optimize it for them? You know, like, so, you know, that's, I want to asterisk that to say that it's not about opting out of things that are uncomfortable or difficult. It's more about trying to make sure that we can build a system and a process and work together to support one another's superpowers um, at work rather than be like I, I guess have this expectation that that um, went just because you're not sitting in the office that you shouldn't be delivering or, or you should be um, performing in a in a in the same way that you would be when you're when you're sitting there you know surrounded by all your colleagues and um, you know doing the doing yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, some of the things that you've mentioned in the past couple of minutes, I mean, they all obviously resonated with me, but I think it's about like leading with empathy, right? And yeah. you've seen them all over um, social media, but you know, these little cartoons about the difference between a boss and the leader. So how do you be more of the leader and less of the boss, right? It's it's really interesting because I think it starts with knowing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I when I first started in... in as a manager, like when I was whatever, I don't know, I think I might've been like 19 or something, right? And, um, you know, I, I looked around me and I thought that that leadership meant to be the same as how the other managers were around me. And so I would behave the same. I would talk to my staff in the same way and I would set tasks and manage people in the same way they were. Now, they were really very authoritarian style leaders, and that didn't mesh well with me. And I subsequently wasn't great at my job um, because I was I didn't know what fit for me. And I also didn't listen to my own self and say, like, well, how can I be as most effective? Um, what can I do to make sure my team can be most effective? I was instead focusing on the task at hand and what needed to be ticked off the list. 
Um, so I think ultimately leading with empathy is about leading more from a people-oriented approach. And that's not to say that tasks don't need to be done, but it's to sort of take a look and understand where people are at, what they're doing. And again, like reorienting your leader, like your management or leadership style, depending on where you're at and, and in yourself and, and uh, changing to be most effective for the people who you're leading rather than necessarily, you know, like for yourself and your own objectives. So some people call that servant leadership, others, you know, can call it authentic leadership. And there's a whole heap of different sort of leadership theories that come along with this. But ultimately that's what I've grown to become um, because that works best for me and it, it works best for my teams. And I think it genuinely empowers people to perform at the, the best they can and then enable me to then be able to coach them hopefully beyond that and to, you know, like to make sure that they can do the best that they can for the organization and for our brand community. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, um, I think you uh, did a great job of unpacking that so beautifully um, that I have to, I, I, I feel um, inclined to throw a qu another question out, out at you. Um, you know, speaking of having the right mindset and, you know, especially when it comes to leadership and, and also, uh, it goes back to like, what's the culture of the organization? Like, is there any company out there, you know, you would look at them and say that that's a, that's a role model. That's somebody that you, that's an organization that you are inspired by and the way that they manage their teams and their people and, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting because there's always this, a bit like people, you know, like there's mm -hmm. a brands that fundamentally operate in the same way, you know, like there's this external face that um, is projected out to the world and it's, it's often, you know, very curated. And um, it takes a very brave brand to be really interested in a true co-creation approach where they are like listening and responding to their audience and shaping who they are and what they do. As a, as a result of that. Um, but then there's the internal side. So to your point there about, you know, a, a company, you know, I feel like I'd want to say a company like Patagonia would be sort of my kind of pinnacle um, for so many different reasons, but I'm, I'm really, I'm a- You're definitely not the first one to say that. Yeah, so. I, bet, I bet, you know, like, and that's the thing. I'm like, yeah. oh, I wish I could come up with one that's mm. like obscure and somehow different. But no, you know, like I, I think that, um, where there are market leaders who who hold true to their values and who express those values not only throughout their organisation but also externally to their brand community, uh, that's a really brave thing, I think, in the world, even though we all say in marketing, of course, and we all know that, you know, you've got to speak to somebody, otherwise you're speaking to nobody and, you know, you've got to find your target audience and I'm 100% I'm a, a believer in that. Um, but it does still take a, a brave brand to double down on that and to say, you know, I can really own that space and say, you know what, this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to stick to. And um, and in Patagonia's case, you know, they're 1% for the planet and all of these wonderful programs that they have that reinforce their brand values. To me, that that's superb. But, uh, uh, you know, that said, though, I... I I've equally never heard of somebody within Patagonia go, oh, my God, this is the worst organisation I've ever worked with or, you know, bullying is rife or anything like that because I certainly haven't, you know. So um, to that extent, you know, they obviously um, do a great job of not only um, building a sustainable brand in the environmental sense but a sustainable brand in the people sense too, which is um, just as 
important in my view that they're you know it's not only people environment but also culture that really creates a great organization yeah no that's absolutely right that's absolutely right um you you've alluded to it earlier um in the conversation but what is one of the biggest challenges in you know um, from your perspective that your area of expertise so managing remote marketing teams what's one of the biggest challenges you think um uh, people like yourself are facing today yeah you know well there's a lot i think ultimately everyone has a lot of that one <laughs> yeah no but, but public enemy number one is really focus i think ultimately and i mean that in a lot of different ways it's not only you know we live in an environment now where um our work and our life like our work selves and our personal selves are really kind of combined which is great from a sustainability perspective and being able to um, do your best work when it suits you and when you're feeling most productive. Um, but, um, you know, focus, though, is a really interesting thing because it's not only, like, as a manager of a marketing team, what I when I think about focus, what I think about is is managing up ultimately and being able to protect your team from, uh, you know, I'm going to say like the random thought bubbles of somebody who are like today they've rolled out of bed and they decided that we need a let's say an ABM strategy or something. Um, when yesterday we were working on you know a one to you know like some sort of like one to many style approach or we were doing a mass market type situation and now we're just going to pivot on a dime to. Um, uh, to uh, something entirely new and different. Um, and so for me, that's what focus, the, the importance of focus really comes down to is being able to say, you know, say as many, or, or I guess many more no's than what you'd say yes to, um, which, you know, that is a superpower in itself. I think my 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 uh, VP has a funny uh, uh, analogy that she uses, and she says that like marketing teams are like driving around a big pickup truck, and it's her job to throw as many things out as um, as my job is to throw them in. You know, <laughs> so um, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's fantastic, and I often think about it. You know, and certainly in managing a remote team, you know, you only have this connection through a screen, as we've already spoken about, right? Yes. So, you know, we're all driving a pickup truck, but instead what we're kind of doing right now is dumping all the stuff at the pickup truck out at, in people's homes, right? In your employees' homes and in your own home and like all of this stuff. And um, so that's where, yeah, yeah, you know, like focus and, um, and building in your own systems and processes to manage your work and find your focus and find where you can be most effective um, is, is what, I'm, what I think is really important. Find your inner strength. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right? You know, there's so many people who um, love the idea of, uh, say, doing the going for a walk around the block before they start work, just as a, let's say, a makeshift commute, um, just for the purpose of being able to, you know, clear their mind and get into the workday sort of um, mindset. And um, and so, yeah, you know, it, it is very much a find your focus, find your fit. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. This is where I'm going to ask you to like get up on your soapbox a little bit. Not that you're going to have a problem with that. But like... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So here we go. Um, a commonly held belief or a status quo. Do you have one in your area of expertise? And if yes, talk about it and why you passionately disagree with it. Yeah. So a commonly held belief 
Mm, I think, you know, one of the things I I think about most often is that, you know, again, that difference between a manager and a leader, and that's something that I, I reflect on often, but there's a few things that I, that I think that get broken down in that, that so a commonly held belief is ultimately that a manager is great when they um, get tasks done, when they achieve things, whereas a leader is someone who's focused more on people. I, I think that that's fantastic and I agree with that, but what I also, what I disagree with though, is the idea that professionals don't need management. And um, it's, you know, we've all been in situations where, you know, to some extent, and I've been this this manager myself um, throughout my career as I've learned and grown, but uh, where we've had a manager who hasn't told us or provided some sort of barriers or um, expectations of what is required of you. And, um, you know, ultimately we all need that to grow. Like it's no different to we need, you know, like the best creativity comes through constraints and working around that sort of stuff as is innovation too. You know, we need to have uh, and, and understand thoroughly what we need to do to achieve, like what, sorry, what we need to achieve. Um, we need to know what success looks like and we need to have the tools to make that happen. So, um, you know, like leaders and, and managers can, you know, sort of push against the idea and some even label it, can go as far as labelling as like micromanagement to give some sort of boundary and guidance to um, your employees but or your colleagues. But um, ultimately, I think that's, that's part of creating a successful and high-performing team. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, to your point, uh, you know, we've all had, my, the micromanagers at some point and then you know it, it goes back to like asking yourself okay why are they micromanaging you and and, and a big part of it is lack of trust right a lack of yeah. trust um, a lack of the ability to empower the team and you know to be able to say okay i will show you i will coach you but i'm not going to go and do the work for you right yeah so. yeah absolutely there's a whole heap of like yeah you know when micromanaging gets really ingrained and really mm-hmm you know, intense, then it's, it becomes a different thing, right? That's then, you know, it's generally a symptom of a broader issue around, a, you know, this toxic work environment where yes. not only is there a lack of trust, but in, in your team, but also in the organization and that there's some sort of like challenge or question about stability of your, maybe your position or, you know, like there's bigger issues at play, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can't feel like not only you can trust people, but that um, that you can't be yourself. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, I think uh, there's a few things there, right? Like uh, around these things and, and creating optimum environments for people to uh, to succeed. That's right. That's absolutely right. Okay, and just as a piece of advice you'd give to, um, I guess, other B two B marketers out there who are running remote marketing teams, much like yourself. What is the one thing that you think they should start? And for goodness sakes, the one thing you should stop doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could come up with heaps for this, yeah. Christian. I, I think yeah. that um, just, one, one. <laughs> just one, the one thing that I think people should stop doing mm-hmm. is, is to really focus on growth at all costs. I think, you know, I have this real problem with, um, organizations that think that you can just keep 10x in growth um, infinitely um, without ensuring that you're taking care of your people and you're in and you're building the processes and systems within your organization to support um, 
ongoing, you know, like to, to support growth and um, and in a sustainable fashion. Um, and then one thing I get, you know, get people to start doing, and this is maybe this is my own personal barrier to push, I don't know, but um, oh. <laughs> is just to have more meetings with purpose, like to think about the reason why you're bringing people together. And generally in the remote workday, you know, um, there's a lot of reasons that you could bring people together, but that you've got to find that balance between flow time, you know, like all flow states and, and enabling people to have focused time and all of that. And also the go time part where you're trying to, you know, advance ideas or get planning done and, and brainstorm and do that sort of thing that, that naturally is important to bring people together for um so yeah you know meeting meeting focus meeting purpose and um is really great and i just would add one little thing to that is that if you do have meetings in person it's awesome to start them try to start them like five minutes earlier so that people can have those opportunities to socialize in the remote environment because we all miss you know I don't know about you I I miss the the old like kind of water cooler chat seeing how people are going like what's happening with their families you know um how is their study going like all of those sort of little things and um because we're you know if you're in a situation where you're going from zoom meeting to zoom meeting you're going to miss out on all of that um and that's ultimately what I think it means to um, be a professional, but also to be a human, right? And and that's what we all are in the end of the day. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, the one thing I miss is not the water cooler sessions, but I used to call them the uh, prolonged uh, coffee refilling rituals, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it, it just took a little bit longer to refill the coffee mug this time, right? And it's because, yeah. you know, like you're catching up with people, right? Having that's conversations. It. That's it. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny because from those sort of things and, and, and uh, finding the willingness to take a break, which can be a, yes. a big issue, you know, like again, work-life balance is a real challenge, can be a real challenge for people in the remote work environment. So, and they can feel guilty and all of these things for like doing the things that you would yeah. otherwise be doing if you were in an office, right? Like right. you could go and you would take, let's say, you know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe even half an hour to, to, to do your coffee run, um, not only to reset yourself, um, but also for a lot of people, like that's where their best ideas can just happen to materialize. They is come to life. On. That's it. There's a reason why shower thoughts are a thing, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you have to give yourself the space and the downtime too, and that is all still part of the workday, even when you're not sitting in, you know, when you, you're not sitting in an office in the city or something. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Brianna, as expected, this was an incredible conversation. So thank you so much for coming on and please uh, do us the honor and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna be stating the obvious here, but that is not a Vancouver accent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it sure isn't. I, I, uh, I do stick out, like to use an Australian saying, I do stick out like a sore thumb here. I'm an Australian. Um, I come from uh, just south of the Gold Coast, a little tiny town called Barring Bar, which is, uh, uh, you know, so hi to anyone from Barring Bar, but who um, <laughs> no doubt I'll be listening. That'll be my mum and dad. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I moved to Vancouver in March last year. So I'm one of those crazy people. Wow. I am I'm a person who takes clear-eyed risks. Um, and uh, and so, uh, yeah, I moved to Vancouver in uh, the start of the pandemic. 
Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's been a wild ride, but I thoroughly enjoy the Canadian lifestyle. And, and certainly living in Vancouver, I don't think I've ever seen a place that has more uh, natural beauty. So I'm very lucky to call it this um, here home now. Uh, so yeah, that's I. I uh, otherwise, I'm a mum of four and a marketing director at a fintech company. So um, things wow. are pretty good here, you know, but also pretty busy. So <laughs> busy is good. Busy is good. And how do um, people out there, you know, um, how, how can they connect with you? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, feel free to le- reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love, I always love to connect with people. The marketing community has always um, brought me such blessings. And also um, I'm, I'm such a fan of having j- conversations with people. I love to hear what people are, you know, like what, what you're doing, what your ideas are and what you think the, the, the future is for our industry mm-hmm. um, because there's nothing like a good conversation to sort of spark an idea or to to um, think put you on a new trajectory and um, so yeah you know absolutely reach out I'd love to hear from you. Fantastic and I mean that's what we're all about here at this show right we're trying to change the way people think about b2b marketing one conversation at a time right. That's it. Rihanna, thank you so much for coming on. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a really great session. And I, I hope the listeners get a lot of value out of it. And uh, take care, be safe, and um, talk to you soon. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much again, Christian. Thanks. All right, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you.